Hello and welcome to For the Love of Mary, a podcast series that tracks my journey to finding the relationship between the Virgin Mary and the position of women in Ireland. It's told through the conversations and stories shared with some of the most amazing women on this island. My practice as an artist is very much founded in the idea of gathering the stories of women and this project was no different. Supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, SIAP Award, I was able to travel to meet with women, research the ideas that came up in our conversations, document shrines, all with a view of getting to the bottom of why she's so prevalent in Irish culture, and from that create new works of spoken word and poetry. I had no script, no questions drafted. So what you're about to hear are all very much responsive conversations. I hope you enjoy this journey just as much as I did. Don't forget to share and subscribe. And thank you for listening. Hello. Yes. So uh, welcome to this, the first episode of For the Love of Mary. Um, this first interview conversation is with a really lovely woman that I have come to know um, from my uh, dalliances in Fokara. Um, she's an amazing woman, Rosemary Green. Um, and we have this, it, it's the first, this is the first conversation that I recorded and it's the first woman that I've, I've sat down and spoken with and she was very gracious to be able to give me her time. As you'll hear from the podcast, it's, we're in the echoiest room in the world ever. Um, but that's not important because what's really important is the stories. Um, there's also a moment in this where I get really confused over a Virgin Mary statue. It then sets me up for the next couple of podcasts, maybe as maybe several podcasts. I think I was a good couple of months um, into research before I realised that I had absolutely arsed up which Mary was which. So anyway, that's in here. Um, started to mean to go on. Um, it was an um, this was the beginning of a huge learning process for me and a huge um, uh, privilege to be able to sit down with so um, so many amazing women and Rosemary uh, is 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 one of the one of one of the many anyway enjoy thank you so much and um, I'll catch you at the end Rosemary Green. So, talking about uh, Our Lady and becoming aware of Our Lady. So I would have been five years of age and uh, I was, every year my parents would go to knock on this pilgrimage and I would go with them. And it was the first Sunday of June and it's one of my earliest memories and, but it was such a lovely community event. So many people from the parish would go and suppose as a child you're just thinking it's a day out or you know and you, you're excited about it for weeks beforehand but I would see even at that age how uh, when we would get there and we would there was a whole ritual to when you got there it wasn't just that you got there and you you could do whatever you wanted there was a whole um, pattern or a whole list of things that you had to do so you had to say the rosary so many times in the bus then when you got there you had to walk around the basilica the you had to say the rosary another three times you had to do stations of the cross you had to do uh, mass there were so many things that you elements that you had to do oh confessions you had to go to confessions all these type of things 
And I would see everybody, um, all ages, and everybody from parishes, not just from Fulcara, parishes all over Ireland would come on that particular day. And my mum was always religious anyway, but she seemed to really enjoy that trip to Knock, and she really believed those prayers, and she, we would go up then to the part where the apparition was supposed to have happened, and you would you would be in a queue to kiss the um, actual wall where Our Lady appeared. And I don't know if they still do that because I haven't been for a long time. I was 15 when we stopped going. So um, maybe they don't do that anymore. But it'd be interesting to know if they do. And there was this connection then with Our Lady. Then, of course, there was the statue of her and then Joseph. So as I got older, I became aware that Our Lady was the, the main, the most important figure of all these statues. She was the main one. And Joseph was beside her, supporting her, but she, she was very, the most, I don't even know if you'd say powerful, but she was certainly the centre of all these statues. And there was angels and different people there with her. And um, so from about the age of five, I was aware of Our Lady. Then at school, you would, you would be, you'd be taught about religion and you'd do your first Holy Communion and different things like that. But it was always in a very nice, I always had a lovely um, image of Our Lady and this person who, you know, she was just this mother figure. And it was only when I got much uh, older, and I was always religious, and I, I, suppose, I suppose I still am, it was only when I got much older that I started to um, want to learn more about her. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And uh, I wanted to one of the most interesting facts that I ever learned about Our Lady was when I was in my 20s and I watched a documentary about Jesus and one of the things it said was, um, you know, it's a fact that she was very, very young when she conceived Jesus. So she was only a teenager, maybe yeah. 14, 15 years of age. So she was very young and she wasn't married. And I remember thinking, wow, that's mind blowing. That is and it made me look at her from a very different perspective then. Suddenly I, I could imagine how frightened she must have been because the consequences of her being a single lone parent and if Joseph didn't marry her, there would have been a lot of consequences for her and her family. And the fear that he had and how the angel came to reassure him. And, um, you know, I just thought it was, a, it was a, an interesting story and an interesting angle on Mary's life. She must have just been so frightened of what was going to happen to her uh, and we can only imagine what that fear would have been because even though she was having these apparitions of angels and being told oh you know this is going to happen she th she was still a human being so she was she must have still been frightened um, and then she married joseph and the, you know having the baby and then she sort of disappears then for a long time in the bible and you just get maybe a story here and there about Jesus when he was 12 and he got lost in the temple and she's looking for him and she's worried because she can't find him and she's not thinking I'm the mother of a saviour here, she's just thinking I'm a mother who's lost a child and she's worried about what's happened to him and you know that's a very human story as well in the Bible, she says to him where were you, you know I was worried sick and he says oh I have to do my father's work and for her it must have been the, you know, the first time she would have realised oh he's, there is something bigger coming for him before that she might have just thought well he's just uh, this child and it must have been then that she realized oh right there is you know this isn't he isn't going to always be mine 
So there was, there was always these kind of things that were happening to her that I always thought must have been very scary for her. Um, and then there's, I'm sure the crucifixion is probably the next kind of big role that she had. And again, another very sad, frightening thing to happen to her. So I, I don't know why the church always made her this very two-dimensional character when actually there was a lot more to her. And I think people would... Um, they would find those stories quite interesting, so I don't know why the church sometimes you feel like they're, they rep they suppress it. They don't want people to know this, and yet I think it actually would encourage people to be religious if they could relate to this person who was just going through all these emotions that everybody else goes through as well. Um, what else about Our Lady? The f there's not a lot else in the Bible about her, I don't think. Um, and you know, you, but you still see the statues of her everywhere. And I suppose she's the most important figure, female figure in the Catholic Church. And I always liked that. I liked that there was at least one female that um, was very prominent, but they couldn't sort of sideline. Yeah. Um, they, they couldn't do any sort of a uh, good airbrush her out of history. She, you can't. She's, she's there. And these stories exist. Yeah. Um, and she must have been very close to Jesus because there she was right at the end with him and it must have been agonising for her for her to go through that so the pain again of what she had to go through well I suppose for any you know for any mother whenever your child is whenever your child is growing up and the little milestones that they have mm -hmm. affect their development and um, you know they, they move from mm -hmm. obviously from a modern context but they move from you being the centre of their world, mm -hmm. then they're at school and their teachers are their, their, um, their absolute, the absolute power in their life mm -hmm. and then it's friends, so you, you kind of like go from, as a child you go from your mum being God, because that's the one that you're with all, all the time, mm -hmm. to then teacher is now God, because te mm -hmm. whatever teacher says goes, mm -hmm. that's it, yes. and then friends become God, yes. because whatever your friends are doing, you're going yeah. to do. And seeing that thing, just what you were saying about um, the twelve and being in the temple mm -hmm. and her, that that panic, mm -hmm. and then that realization of there's something mm -hmm. more, mm -hmm. because as you as you as you watch your child grow mm -hmm. and get older, you think, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. How am I going to trust them to be an adult mm -hmm. in the world and go out and? And I'm sure she just wanted to protect him. I'm sure there was always, she might not have known exactly what was going to happen in the yeah. end, but there was probably always that little thought at the back of her head, I wonder what is his future, and then there was just this little glimpse of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it must have been horrible, it must have been very frightening. But I just wish the church would be more open about that side of her, and, um, and let people make up their own mind. Yeah. Um, and not, the, the visits to... Um, visits to Knock. Mm -hmm. So the, the June the first. What is this? The first Sunday of June. First whatever Sunday day that would fall on. Okay. And uh, oh, sometimes there'd be a couple of buses going up there for right. that. And as I say, and both my parents, they they were very religious, so it was a really a big event happening. And just watching them saying their prayers and. You know, I, I, did, I never questioned it, I never thought, well, I wonder did that actually happen? Did she actually appear here? Or do you know, I, I never questioned it, I just thought it was nice that all these people seemed to seemed to get something out of it, they seemed to enjoy it. 
and then at a certain point in the day if the weather was nice there would be this big long procession and our a big statue of our lady would be carried and um, you know all these nice hymns sung about our lady but again they were just uh, um, praising this one side of Mary they weren't um, you know you, were, you knew that it was the mother of God the Virgin Mary that's what the side that they wanted you to see or that they wanted you to praise or to pray to yeah. and that's the sort of feeling I always got because with the church being so strict and uh, you know and especially with with how they were with women and basing that on well this is our lady was like this she was this very holy person and this is what you should be like yeah you know, I thought that was that was a pity because I don't know if that's even what Mary would have wanted you mm. know she might be happy for people to just no no I, I was very young and I wasn't married and it was very frightening or whatever and yeah but I got through it you know you don't have to be this Virgin Mary in life to be good to be to, to be religious yeah mm. I suppose it's it's kind of a it's a very juxtaposed mm. idea of you know this she was used to appeal to humanity yes. and human suffering and to be the human connection with God mm. um, and yet she's held to these really impossibly high standards that women like, mm. as a human being you will never ever be able to hold yourself to mm. you can try your best but it'll never you're never going to be perpetual mm. virgin mm. like that's never going to happen you don't have that level of innocence um and also do you, like the idea of that that innocence on her sort of removes an element mm. of humanity a little bit mm. i think um but she never smiles in any of the iconography or any statues i've never seen her smile i've only ever seen her looking very sad yeah, it's a mixture of, it, I think, serenity and mm. sadness. And although we have, um, we have one, and she looks very, she looks very fed, like very, very cross <laughs> with Jesus. And I imagine her tapping her foot and be like, God, that son of yours. Yeah. <laughs> and it must have been a big responsibility, because, you know, she, she wouldn't have. She wouldn't just have known what was to. I don't know. It's just been a very big thing, and she she was lucky she had Joseph to always be there. I mean, he doesn't get much of a mention either. He doesn't. Um, I think they were. I think she was. A, the, I think it's the document that she was. She was around thirteen, fourteen. She was very, very young, mm. and they were betrothed. Okay. Um, so they were engaged as as a sort of, and the process would have been very similar to divorce had he have chosen mm. to divorce her it would have been completely would have thrown her into total disrepute mm. so you know that there's idea. no burial place for her because they you know it's the mythology is that she yes yeah mm. that um yeah that that's not even like that's kind of a, a that's a that's a mythology mm. there's no real there's no real documentation around that because it's not in it's not obviously not written in the Bible. It's not in the canon at all. And I wonder what age did she live to? How many more yeah. years after Jesus did she live for? That's mm. and like so she was, which is kind of shocking. So I'm like I'm forty one mm. this year, and so yeah, she was. So she was around thirteen, fourteen. He, mm. she's like not even fifty mm. by the time he dies mm. as a grown man. Mm. 
that's kind of mm, scary. Yeah, I mean, my son's twenty four, so I was sixteen when I had him, and I was a clueless child. I could only imagine what it was like for obviously very very different times. I can only imagine what it was like for her to have that responsibility thrust on you at such a young age. Mm. It's a an incredible and she still um, appears or she's still associated with we've got Fatima mm -hmm. and Medjugorje and all these other places that um, have these visitations as well that yeah. she's associated with and her message seems to be to pray she wants people to um, say the rosary which is a form of devotion I suppose to her as well that's uh, you know I'm sure she must have more messages than that but that's the one that's that seems to get the most uh, publicity. Yeah. You know, like the three secrets of Fatima and all that. And, uh, Did we ever discover what the three secrets were? Well, the third one has always been a bit of a mystery, hasn't it? I think one of them was about the rise of communism. One of them was, um, I think, Second World War. And the third one, uh, the children... Uh, I'm not sure did they ever reveal it, but it was something then to do with the Pope. Pope John Paul II, right. that he would get, they could see him getting shot. It was something to do with him, I think. Ah. Mm. And he was a great, uh, he was very devoted to Our Lady. Mm. But I love the little statues that are everywhere of Our Lady. Yes. And there's one of them beside where I live, and that's very associated with the childhood as well, because that's where you would go to get the bus to go to knock. Ah, yes, yeah. and, and which, which, because there are lots of different versions. Yeah, yeah. Of this is Our Lady of Fatima. Ah, okay, so that's mm -hmm. the blue. Yes. Yes, I'm learning these, the differences. <laughs> um, yes, she's she's very popular, and she's the one with, she has a snake yes. under her foot. What's that all about? I guess the sort of, she's standing on the snake. Some of the statues have Mary with like stigmata on her feet. Right. Mm -hmm. We've noticed some of the some of the the shrines that we've been mm -hmm. documenting. So there's a whole a whole. She's other... in the Quran as well, isn't she? It's not just the Bible, isn't she in that too? <laughs> well, the Quran kind of views Jesus as a prophet, mm -hmm. and um, and she's a, but she's still she's in still and so she's still a figure that's obviously she was his mother. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I, I've never read the Quran, so um, mm -hmm. I do have a copy. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I'll get one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. yeah it wasn't for himself. <laughs> no, no, he came in and went. Let's look at what the biblical collection. I have. Um, I was so excited when he, he went in and he was, he was getting the different books and he had the Quran. And I thought that's definitely from hell. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a Hebrew Bible and I have um, there's about there's about six or seven Bibles on my on my shelf. You'll get something out of it, you know. It's it's. I've tried, I've tried to read it, but um, I think because you're studying this anyway, I think, and you have you studied theology, it, yeah. well, you, you know, you'll really, really enjoy it. And one of the things in it is, no matter how high you build your towers, death will find you. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. yeah, I think that that um, a lot of the, I think a lot of the principles because like the for me doing when I studied um, the Old Testament was really was the place that I felt more comfort in, um, and. And sort of the stories, because it's where all the really bad stuff happens, is in the in the Old Testament. And mm -hmm. there's all of these. There's like the prelude. The it's like the test case, the test pilots for Jesus. The Jesus story happens mm -hmm. way way back. Mm -hmm. So you have you know Abraham and Isaac and him taking him mm -hmm. up into them, and then the the lamb appearing. Mm -hmm. 
um, and all you know that last minute. Oh, here's a lamb. Yes. You can sacrifice a lamb. Yes. Um, and then Joseph and the brothers, the twelve brothers, mm-hmm. and the Joseph and his amazing and the coat. the ability to, to decipher dreams yes. and excuse me, being and how that saves him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and being left for dead in this, mm-hmm. you know, and betrayal and mm-hmm. these markers that happen, and then later on, then. Um, The, the sort of testing of Job and all of those kind of like real sort of characters then you have this unique story of Jesus mm-hmm. and it's a very very different it's a very different tale it has a lot of similarities and a lot of kind of mm-hmm. ideas around it and um, and most notably is the presence of is the presence of Mary because in every single other story, it's the father that's mentioned. So it's Abraham that's mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's um, Joseph's father, who was renamed Israel, which means struggles with God. Um, he's mentioned, and then mm-hmm. when we get to the New Testament, it's Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary is the the one that's she makes this decision. And she has her this genealogy, isn't she traced back, back to, to David? David. Mm-hmm. That's why she was. Um, Chosen. Yeah, um, and David's a really interesting character. Mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, so like, whenever David's chosen as king, whenever Samuel sort of gives him the blessing of God. So mm-hmm. the idea was that so Saul was king before that, mm-hmm. and um, Samuel says that God will choose a king with God's own heart, mm-hmm. and um, so whenever David is then chosen, whenever he defeats Goliath and he's then chilled and the people are just celebrating in the streets and the people cry out, Saul killed thousands, David killed hundreds of thousands. Mm. Which is a really, <laughs> it's a sort of puzzling kind of thought. But then yeah, you have then this, this, this sort of return to peace and these peaceful teachings and Jesus, his teachings are very much around uh, Love the ba- yeah the very basic principles that the Hebrew nation was drawn on so the very old laws that were the bottom up mm-hmm. so anybody that's on the bottom we look after each other we need to so if you if you ha- if you can provide for yourself and you have extra and your neighbor can't mm-hmm. it is your duty to be able to mm-hmm. help your neighbor out um, and that after seven years, that debt would be completely written off so that you would never be perpetually in debt to another person. Oh, right. So there's, yeah, so so that kind of um, very, very principled kind of bringing in Jesus had, had that sort of, mm. that was his goal. And you just think, well, as a mother's influence, what was her influence yes, on him? How yes. was she? Definitely, she, she would have um, shaped him, she would have influenced him and... You know, the person that he became was ultimately a big part of down to her. Yeah. Yes. And do you think she married and had other children? Well, the kind of controversial issue, it's in the Bible. It's mentioned in the Bible. Matthew 13, 54 to 58. Um, they come into the temple and they're like, Jesus, you're Jesus of Nazareth, brother to, and names his brothers, mm-hmm. and names the siblings, and son of Mary, and 
Joe said, and he said, and that's when he said, you're all my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. It's his brothers, his mm. siblings are named. It, it is likely that there would have been brothers and sisters. Yeah. But that's, you know, I, I, I remember having arguments with my mother on that one. Um, yeah. My mother went, no, that's not true. Mary was a virgin. I'm like, mm. It's, yes. it's there but but in saying that though like there are things that are in the bible now that weren't in the bible so like the the oldest copy of the new testament is the codex sinaiticus and it's in the british library mm-hmm. and in at the end of mark when jesus ascends to heaven his ascension is not recorded there mm-hmm. in the original mm-hmm. it was added, added mm-hmm. so take from that I don't know. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of stuff that we don't. There's a wonder then that they left that in Matthew about going to the temple and brothers and sisters. Yeah, it is. It's a wonder that mm-hmm. they. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's the fact that he says you're all my brothers and sisters that it's sort of you can kind of smudge over the top of it, mm-hmm. and also remembering that when you go to mass, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go to mass. It's probably one that's never read. <laughs> there's always, there's always a, 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 a one of the major prophets. There's always the gospel, and there's always a letter. That's the standing kind of thing, and so it depends on what time of year it is, mm-hmm. and what sort of what the directive is. But it's one of those things that most people maybe never never hear mm-hmm. because it's never read out of mass because mm. I don't think very many people read the bible so they'll never change it now because I think those readings are sort of yeah, set in stone really when they stone, read them yeah. on what Sundays yeah but it's a sim- but it's very very similar to in the Jewish faith the Torah is read mm. and it's, it's the same it's read mm. in the same way um, and it's written. It has to be written on in this using the same methods as it was originally, um, or or mm-hmm. yeah. It, and so they read. So you know that on this day, in the um, in the synagogue, it will be this mm. part of the Torah will be read out. So you have like that mm. sort of. It's a very ritualized thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you were talking about the rituals that were... That oh, were when you go to knock. knock. Yes, all the praying, a lot of... Uh, there was a reason, a lot of praying, and a lot of people would then have um, what they would call intercessions. Or, so the, you you know you might be asking for something, uh-huh. and you'd put it in an envelope, you'd write what you wanted, and you'd put it in an envelope, like a petition. Right. And I see people who go to Lourdes have said to me that that's very common there as well. And it goes to, like, into... I suppose there must be some sort of a... I, I, just, I can't remember what happened then. I do just remember that if somebody couldn't go to knock, they might give you their petition. Uh-huh. But it was something that they really yearned for in their life, and they were praying to Mary to help them to get it. Oh. Yeah, this sort of petition that they felt she could intercede some way for them, or help them uh, to, to get this or to manage this problem in their life. And I thought that, that was quite nice as well, that... Um, you know, and the, you know, people really believed this that that she would help them. Yeah. Now I've never been to um, Lourdes, but I know a lot of people who. I mean, Knox sort of fell out of favour for some fashion for some reason. 
And now there's, I don't think, there's definitely not as many visitors going from here. Them coaches are gone and things like that. So, um, but I still hear of people going on to Fatima and I still hear of people going to Lourdes and they tell me the grotto is beautiful at night when it's all lit up and, um, you know, again, the whole uh, petition thing that, and people go there, some people go there looking for miracles and everything and it's been known that there have been miracles have, you know, the Vatican have approved uh, of things that have happened there and said yes, that was a miracle and that's happened at Knock a couple of times yeah. but definitely more so in Lourdes there's a lot more talk of it there so she's seen as somebody who's still very much alive yeah Knock is a it, it's, um, it's quite an amazing it's very it's, a, it's an incredible complex that's there now I mean we've been there very recently it's quite massive it's huge mm. um but there's this beautiful just what you're saying about the petitions there's a mm. um mary's garden oh we, nice. we find we find it mm. um and it's just this lovely quiet n- nothing very nothing grand mm. nothing over the top this is a very quiet little corner mm. and there's a there's a statue full life-size mm. statue of mary and again she's not it's not like anything I've. Right. It's not like any other statue I've seen ever seen. Lot of I've seen quite a lot yeah. of them. Yeah, and it, she's very, she's almost childlike. Mm. She's almost like a young, like a mm. young girl. Yes, she's all very young in the statues. Yeah, but the wall around it has this. Um, it has this incredible. The stonework has this incredible texture. There's like holes in the stonework. Mm. And you can see where people have like written things on pieces of paper, oh, rolled them up and stuck them into the stone, yeah. into the cracks yeah. in the stone, which is incredible. That idea of like putting petitions—it's mm-hmm. a very. Um, it seems to be kind of. It's something of a, uh, a global mm-hmm. tradition. People do this. They put, um, in diff- many different religions that. Mm-hmm. It's not just unique to this one, but it's quite lovely that it's done at this very quiet yes. corner. Oh, I'd like to see that because I haven't been back for years. I mean, they have that massive big new basilica, and it's oh, you get so you get a lot of very sick people at the mass as well, and there would be a blessing of the sick. Um, oh, you know, just people in, in, with a lot of, of problems and, and things like that. But they seem to get great comfort from going there. It's very poor places that she seems to visit. You know, Fatima's supposed to be Medjugorje. Yeah. It's supposed to be quite poor and knock in 1879. You know, there were, people were quite desperate. Yeah. It was interesting that that's a place that, that was chosen. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the timeline of it, of it is sort of 20 years previous to that. So this is sort of still penal penal mm. laws in Ireland, mm. um, very prevalent. Um, so it's a bad time to be a Catholic, but it's also a bad time to be a Presbyterian. Mm. <laughs> both mm. both sides of things um, got a um, rough ride in terms of the law. Um, and 20 years before this apparition of Mary, roughly, um, there was a massive revival in the pres- in the Presbyterian oh. church. So they had like these um, these sort of backstreet preachers because it was it was illegal to be Presbyterian. So they had these like backstreet congregations and hiding in little 
um, you know, gathering mm-hmm. in barns and stuff like that. And they had a lot of preachers who were very fire and brimstone and got people really riled up. Mm-hmm. So there was lots of reports of hysteria right. mm-hmm. happening, this idea of rapture in a religious sense, and people fainting and falling into trances for days. And so this was kind of a time, I think, of real oppression in a country and and I would say that this is you know like when you look at the different places around the world this is a a trope that 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 is quite common and so where do you reach out Mm. to the we have this higher power so what what do we do and I would say that that's probably why Mm. oh I remember as well I was about oh again I was a teenager and a lady came to Mass and she was there to give a talk and the church was full. And her, her name was Marion O'Carroll. I think that was her name, Marion O'Carroll. And Marion had been cured at Knock. So Marion had MS or something and she got cured. But her story was, you could hear a penny yeah, drop in the church. She was paralysed pretty yes. much, yeah. It was, it's a very powerful talk and she 100% believes that that was our lady that cured her. Wow. That she went in on a stretcher to that mass and she walked out of there after being cured. But she would say, like, from what I get, now that talk was actually recorded. So somebody somewhere has a video of that talk. And I remember the priest even saying beforehand something like, this might not be suitable for very young children. Because as well as encountering a lot of feeling, a lot of good, she would have also been aware of an, of there's evil in the world as well and it was the same with another man who came came to give a talk who had been cured at Lourdes and he again the priest had to say you know if you have any young children this might not be very suitable for them and he describes actually the devil coming into his room three days before getting cured and he was in a wheelchair and things and he was on his own in the room and he couldn't leave the room and again that talk was recorded so Again, maybe the church might have it, or somebody will definitely have that talk. Because I remember listening to him and thinking, wow, that story is amazing, but very frightening at the same time. He really, he says, you know, you know, when he, he must have seen Jesus, or he must have seen Mary, and he just, they're just as we would imagine them, he said, they, were, they weren't any different, and this lovely feeling around them of, of goodness and holiness, and just very pure, very good people. But this juxtaposition again of this evil seems to be parallel or running alongside it. Wherever you have something really good like this, you almost have the evil coming in. It attracts it almost, or it's it, this balance just seems to be going on from the beginning of time between good and evil. So he says he, he definitely saw the devil and the devil was in the room with him. And even if you read books on angels by Lorna Byrne, she will also describe how even though she, the angels are attracted to her, she also seems to attract e- evil as well. She, she would meet people and she would see evil in them, or she would, you know, she would maintain that she has seen, you know, the devil, and it can be in people, and evil can be in people. But this manifestation of the devil has come to her, and this man was describing that maybe 20, 30 years ago in this talk about how he got cured. This, this evil, but being overcome by the good, the good coming towards him, the evil coming towards him at the same time. Now, 
you know, you could be very sceptical and you could say, well, he was probably on a lot of medication or who knows what he was seeing or what he experienced or he could be hallucinating, but he really did seem very genuine or he seemed, whatever he saw, he, he, and he was describing it, even, you just were just frightened just listening to him. Yeah. I just remember that feeling. But she, that lady, that Marion O'Carroll would definitely have said, there's, there's, evil's never too far away. So it's even places like Knock, you know, that's it's probably still somewhere there. I don't know why. Maybe the devil thinks all these people are quite good. I must uh, see if I can do some mischief. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. But then on a talk about somebody being cured, that that would come into it. That that was part of the story as well, part of their journey. That they had to overcome this, seeing this along the way. I suppose it would be. I suppose nothing ever happens easy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the devil, that's a whole other sort of a theological, <laughs> you, you know, rabbit hole that you could go down. Totally is, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it sort of depends on which um, which view you take on the devil. Do you go with Milton's view or do you go with Dante's view? Um, I quite like Milton's view. So what's his view? Um, so... Well, so Dante has so Dante has basically constructed our entire understanding of what hell is. So everything that we imagine about hell comes from Dante's descriptions of the nine circles of hell and this, like the tortures and 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 the the, the devil is at the centre of hell, mm-hmm. and he sort of dishes out the mm-hmm. the, the torture, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have very much in terms of agency. The sins are all there. Um, it's our own decisions, our free will, as human beings that cause sin. And the devil has a side. He just he's just there, trapped in hell because he fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Milton's view is that is that thing of the better to rule in hell than serve in heaven idea. So whenever the fall happens, and there's this massive kind of um, it's a huge, it's a huge poem in ten books. Mm-hmm. Um, Paradise Lost, and then there's Paradise Regained. But Paradise Lost is um, again. So that view that forms a massive view that we have as in our modern context of what the devil is and how the devil works, mm-hmm. and that um, he was a very Puritan. Milton was a very Puritan character. He was quite so he gave. Satan a huge amount of rhetoric which is the most amazing mm-hmm. he has the most amazing speeches mm-hmm. in there um, so he builds pandemonium the city in hell it's that like whenever they fall and he tells all these like these fallen angels right we need to build get up it's going to be painful and it hurts and it's fine but let's build this city and we're going to take over and you know what we're going to go up there and we're going to sort this out and we're going to every single soul that we can basically as a two fingers up to heaven we will do it so he has this Mm -hmm. makes this decision Mm -hmm. of interfering Mm -hmm. in god's work Mm -hmm. there's that kind of I quite like Milton's view. <laughs> but I also like the idea... I like Milton's view in, in... in terms of the construction of hell. And I and, and love... And it is just because Satan has the most amazing 
most amazing arguments he's, he's great anti-hero he's, mm-hmm. and God doesn't really say very much but he always viewed that God that, that because God had this righteous perspective that he didn't need to say very much he just was and is that the reason that Satan speaks so much is because he needs to convince you he needs to sell himself mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and that was um, that was my idea mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah I do I quite I like I think you're fascinated by extremes Mary on one side, Mary on the devil on the other. Well, yeah, I mean, it's I'm just fascinated by religion and these mm. these stories and angels as well are kind of you know that was always a because they're very um, they're very odd. We have a very odd relationship with angels as humans. Um, there's this quite I think this quite fluffy idea mm-hmm. of angels. But when you think about them, they were messengers for God. They were the voice of God. They came down mm-hmm. to tell us. So you have like, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, that sort of fall of a city because here two angels appear in the city and everybody wants to, like, wants to rape them because they want to bit off. You know, they're, they're like so beautiful, mm-hmm. these beautiful creatures and we want to like try to have this. And so it's like, no... And the daughters are offered in exchange like no take our daughters they're virgins go ahead and rape them but save these angels you know so yes. we have this kind of like and then of course Sodom and Gomorrah mm. the, the, the two cities are, are sacked mm. and burned it's very dark isn't it really really dark mm. um, and you have like uh, sort of the Noah the flood mm. you know and so that's which this, no one left except Noah and his animals everyone yeah. else but the Sunday school version is that, you know, people were corrupt. Mm. And so the flood happened mm. because God wanted to start again. The, the biblical version mm. is the sons of God came down and made it, married the daughters of men. And from them, titans mm. were born. Mm. So angels mated with humans. And this right. nation, this yes. rise of these half angel mm-hmm. half human creatures mm-hmm. god wiped them out mm. and started again it's amazing how it all survived because here we are two thousand years later and we're talking we're still about talking, yeah mm-hmm. we're still talking about it yeah it is it's amazing and i think i do think that yeah she she's she has survived because of her her role as the mother, role as the mother. Mm-hmm. And we all need a mother. Mm. And then maybe because there's so few details around her life, it, it's great because then we can just surmise and imagine what what might have happened. Yeah, fill in the blanks mm. for ourselves. And two thousand years from now, we'll probably people will still be talking about her. Yeah, huge. But they might have a different view of her. They might have a different yeah. view. And the her. statues might be gone, and we might get this more rounded oh, character. I don't. I don't know if I really want the statues. <laughs> I think the statues are great. Um, but yeah, she's she is an amazing character. Um, I quite like that, that sense of community and everybody from the community going to you know. But wouldn't you like to see a statue of her as an old lady or middle-aged lady? I'd like to see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would like to see... Yeah, I guess. She's always this quite regal and 
She never, and she doesn't have any boobs. She never has no. boobs. She's very, um, there's, there's no sexuality with Mary at all. No. The, yeah, yeah. Totally, the total innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. She's sort of, there's a fair amount of like, androgyny mm. happened to the rest mm. of her. And I've seen some beautiful statues of her with these really ornate cloaks, but like you say, you know, the, the, that side of her is very much played down or not focused on at all it's not and even even in terms of like there's some of the iconography towards her with with the baby mm. and with the Christ child and as a mother and I th- is there one somebody was saying there's one of her with a breast exposed must be Leonardo da Vinci or somebody I don't know I think it's I think it's an Eastern European I'm gonna look into it because it's it, rare yeah definitely is definitely wasn't commissioned by a church but it <laughs> Well, if it's in the context of her holding yes, a baby. it might be allowed then. <laughs> yeah, it might be allowed. And then, you know, they're... Yeah. And I don't think, like, the sexualization of that sort of thing... I don't know when that happened. But, um, yeah, she's... There are definitely... There's many, many different incarnations. And there are Black Marys in, mm. in existence, mm. which is quite nice. I've never I seen think. one, and I think in Russia or somewhere, is it that they have them? There is, yeah. It's not on the front of a, like a National Geographic magazine. They were, it was on that subject of her ethnicity, this, you yeah. know, the way it's just been whitewashed. Totally, yeah. Um, interesting. And then also the, the interesting thing of apparitions happening, mm. and, you know, is it something... Is it an idea that I will show you an image of what you, mm-hmm. of what you will understand? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the one at Knock, is she wearing a crown? She is yeah. wearing a crown, yeah. And that last, I think the apparition lasted for hours, didn't it? Because at least up to 15 people saw it. That's right, 15, What yeah. about that place in near Dunlow, that t- Kerrytown. That's on our list of places to go. No, I haven't been there, but it's on our list of places to go. Um, We just were chatting about it yesterday. So yeah, Kerrytown is is going to be one to go to. There are some, there are some really interesting ones. I mean, I'm always, I'm I'm kind of fascinated that the idea of women, you know, that seek comfort and solace in in Mary and Mm. that these grottos are, have been known to be places of, you know, deep confession and confident um, mm. you know in, and people seeking out uh, somebody that's not going to talk back to them mm. but somebody that will listen and this figure Feeling. to listen mm. to the things that are happening and in real desperation mm. the, the sort of stories that women go and I'm sure in the course of your project you'll come across people who you know their experience of religion hasn't been maybe as positive as yeah. well. and they might have a totally different view of the grottos and the statues and religion and for sure our lady um, I mean she's yeah she's she's an awesome character and yeah. well for me it, it was just I associate her with and um, just nice happy nice happy memories That's not good. under not asking too many questions or understanding too much just enjoying the moment for what it was. Yeah. 
people of a certain generation who still had a very strong faith and practicing that faith and you know as I say as a child you don't question it I just took it for granted that's what everybody did yeah um, and at that time um, that's pretty much what everybody did yeah oh it was such a, a big thing um, but I suppose it couldn't last forever I don't know why it changed and they have the airport at Knock and mm. um, oh I do hate those tacky souvenir shops though and they were always there that was always a big part of it yeah because one of the people one of the one of the witnesses of the apparition um but I'm dying to know what you're going to say <laughs> so, oh the, gosh. so there's a, so, so they so they, they the, 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 like all that front so there's John yeah. J. Burns and there's like then the, the, I think they're all like then named after saints that's right yeah. John's there yeah, yeah. and um, St. Michael and, mm. and that and um, it was the one so they're all descendants of one of the one of the people that saw the apparition oh, right um, but the father bought that plot of land and gave each of his, each of his children a shop. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, there's a documentary. You'll love this. Yes, <laughs> there's a document, amazing documentary, Strange Occurrences in a Small Irish Town. Right. And it's about knock, and it's about the apparition, and it's about. Oh, you um, get the strangest things. Cameras, you know those little cameras. You click another wee picture of some other part of the knock, and they're so amazing. There was everything. There was just yeah. so much stuff. When we went to knock, there was <laughs> we we went in and around because mm. I'd been to the, we were just mm. we were documenting trains mm. along the road, and John Anthony turned the car around and he went, oh, like two kilometers to knock. Well, it'd be stupid not to go. So we did, we, we drove and I'd never been there before. Mm. So it was just an amazing experience to see this huge, it has a reminiscence, like it has a sort of evoked feeling of that American evangelical mm. complex, mm. you know, these massive, you know, the super churches mm. that you get, it had that sort of feel about it. Do they still have the old church? The original one. The the, the small yes. the small which is where her shrine her mm. shrine is in mm. there. And the, they have that what you were saying about the wall but have the they? Stone, they have and are people still allowed to touch it? Touch it, yeah. It? So, because we were contrary people broken up and holding the wall oh. and praying and like yes. what? on earth. Yeah. But yeah, they've got it written they've they've got this got square part and they've got like um the stone around it which says that this was from the original mm. person. Mm. Which is lovely, um, but yeah. The did you go into the old church, or did you just we, go to the basilica? We no, we went into the old church. We didn't go up to the basilica. Um, well, the old church lovely. Yeah, we went into the old, and it's it is it's absolutely stunning. It's really, but it's not. It's all been. It it looks like it's. I mean, obviously, I've never been there mm -hmm. before, but it looks like it's it's been quite remodeled, and but the 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 statues of her mm -hmm. with Joseph and um, mm -hmm. yeah, they're there, um, and the angel. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's and then and it's all white. It's all in white, mm -hmm. and it's quite incredible. Um, they're very beautiful. Uh, and then we came out, and I was totally blown away by the the holy water fountain. Oh, that was another thing. Yes, bringing back the holy water. Yeah. So there's yeah there's twelve mm -hmm. fountains mm -hmm. in the kind of mm -hmm. in, the, in the place, and uh, we just say. <laughs> Uh -huh, vampire apocalypse. This mm -hmm. is the place to go. But 
but they're it's fascinating to see they've all got little images above them they've all got they're all stations of the cross which was ah I noticed on TV last night they have ads on now as well encouraging people to go there I've never seen that before wow the marketing is it's a bit like Lotter have changed a bit over the years as well you know it used to be that you just went there for the three days penance and it was torture but now they have like you can go for the day and you know they detox for the day this type of thing what yeah okay so Right, you'll have to forgive me. Yes. I'm, I'm, you don't not, love Durgan, I'm not from a Catholic background, so I don't... Um, my mother converted to Catholicism later, later in life, um, so love Durg. I've heard stories, but I don't know the... F- so the idea would have been that St. Patrick went there, Okay. and it was a place of purgatory ever since. So, oh my goodness, my sister went there, and I remember as a child her coming back telling me about it. So... You would go to, it's in Donegal, and you would go there and you'd have to do things that you'd have to fast for so many hours. You were allowed water and black toast, but you were mainly fasting. And you were walking in your bare feet, and you had to stay awake all night praying, and you had to walk around different stations with your bare feet. And you know what, a lot of people would, some people would get sick, and, but my sister said the hunger was the worst part of it. She just got, for the three days she was there, and she was very young, I don't even know why she went, uh, but she just remembered it was torture is all right but now I see you can go for the day and the first thing that happens when you go for the day you get a lunch <laughs> it's included <laughs> so you get soup and sandwiches as soon as you go there because I've been and you get this lovely uh, you have a lovely day out you have mass at the end and you really enjoy it it's not torture at all right. it's like a lovely wee day out okay so well purgatory's gone isn't it yes. haven't they got rid of and yeah. the church got rid of purgatory yeah. but it used to be people would go for the three days and they would do all those, I mean, there was probably more to it, but I only remember her talking about their feet and fasting yeah. and staying awake from the minute you got there. You'd stay awake at least that night anyway, praying all night. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it like was, a vision quest in itself. Yeah, so you'd, you'd probably, you, well, you have to get a boat, you, you can only go so far and then you have to get the boat to the island. Um, but you loved her. Yeah, you, probably somewhere you would actually enjoy. Just to, just to see it, from just see the church, see the statues of Our Lady in the church. Ah. Mm. From an anthropological point of view, I probably would. Yeah, and it'd be like staying in a hostel or something because it's a communal, everything's oh. communal and you, you pay to stay there for the three days. But they were they had a whole like marketing campaign of trying to get, you know, life's very stressful, come here, come here and just have a <laughs> break from it all, you know, switch well. off your phone and just, oh. now there was all ages there when I went there. And that was another thing they were trying to target younger people, and because they know to survive, they have to do that. Yeah. The older generations who were, you know, there was the unquestioned things. Yeah. They just was robotic thinking. The younger people question things more, but they were the ones they need to. And if they want to survive, they have to entice the younger generation to come there for the day, or for the, I don't, don't know if they even do the three days anymore. But oh, you get that's the thing you do get actually is people you see it in the parish bulletin on a Sunday, day trip to Lochder. Right. Bus trip or day trips to Lofter. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So I often think of the people who did go for the three days and they'd be like, Sure, look, now you can just go for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just experienced it without having to go without sleep and, and black toast. Yeah. That was black one, tea. Uh, black tea. And uh, yeah, the, the burnt toast and black tea. I did hear about that. Mm. That's one of the things that. Um, this mythical thing so like growing up in the troubles and you'd hear these things these weird things mm. that catholics would do mm, yes. <laughs> like go to this place where you'd be tortured what yeah. you do think why would anybody do why that do you think? Why yeah, why would you do that? Go every year older people 
who mm. just couldn't get enough of punishment. They would just love going there. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't punishing enough. Right. You know, they would like to stay awake maybe for the whole week. Wow. <laughs> that would be so And you would trip. say to them, was it not, you know, so on your feet or was it not this? No, I don't mind. It's good for you. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. The church was lovely. It was beautiful. Um, and the stations of the cross. It was, it, it was a nice place to go for the day. I, w- I would not have been interested in doing the whole three day thing, but it was nice to go for a day to experience it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. For thank you. And best of luck yeah. with your project. So thank you for listening to this, the first episode of For the Love of Mary. Um, keep listening. There's a bunch of podcasts left to go. Um, you, you're going to meet some really wonderful characters. A uh, big thank you to the Arts Council of Northern Ireland for their support in allowing me to travel around and meet so many amazing women and do the, these recordings. Um, our next podcast is with the utterly gorgeous and amazing spoken word artist Abby Oliveira um so tune in to that um like subscribe share do all of that crack um let's let's be friendly and share, and share the love uh thanks so much catch you next time